Let's go. Welcome to The Dad Presents, where we pledge allegiance only to family and principle. Now, guys, I know you love my funny 20-minute intros full of teenage boy humor, but we're going to skip all that today because the pox have fallen upon my house. We got the vid here, all four of us. We're all sick. It's not bad. It's pretty mild. We're going to be fine. But I want to save my energy today for the interview with our esteemed guest, Dr. Pierre Corey from FLCCC. Now, guys, if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes, like most people do, and you enjoy our content here, please remember that we're now on Rumble at The Dad Presents, and we're also now on YouTube at Super Bad Dad. Go there and click follow, please. The apocalypse, we know it's coming, and you can get right with God by clicking follow and helping to feed my skinny Asian babies. And with that, let's get into the show. Okay, guys, Dr. Pierre Corey is a critical care doctor and co-founder of Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance. You've seen him on the Joe Rogan podcast with Brett Weinstein, and you've seen him testify to Congress. Dr. Corey bravely brought truth to the world about ivermectin at great personal cost. Uh, doctor, thank you for the work you've done, and welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks. Nice to be here. Good, good. All right. So I guess the first thing I want to talk to you about is uh, my family started taking ivermectin in June after hearing you talked about it with Brett Weinstein. We were very convinced by it. it seemed very convincing evidence. Since then, we've traveled all over the country. Uh, we've gone to Panama. We've remained healthy throughout until last week. We had a New Year's Eve party with a lot of people here, and now the whole family has it. It's been pretty yeah. mild. Uh, a couple of days ago, you and some other doctors from FLCCC were discussing the new ivermectin studies out of Brazil, and I was hoping you can let us know what what was learned from that. Yeah, so so that study was uh, it, it was just so overwhelming. I mean, you know, before going to that study, I, the there's so many supportive studies of ivermectin. I mean, there's literally, I think we're up to 73 controlled trials of ivermectin with the exception of maybe two or three, they all show a benefit either statistically significant or close to it. And when you put them all together, it has one of the strongest things, what I call it, one of the strongest signals of efficacy of any medicine we have, right? So the idea that we need more trials is I, I'm like so tired of talking about trials because I did that for pretty much most of the last year. So I hate yeah. talking about that. What I find much more interesting to talk about if people still want to be convinced is stuff like the study that uh, I'll present to you is just one this in Brazil, because it the, the studies from health ministry programs where like literally you had well-meaning departments of health who put together early treatment programs and they provided them to their populations and they found incredible benefits. So this yes. one in Brazil, the reason why this one in Brazil is so important is for a couple of reasons. One, it's the largest study of ivermectin in the world in COVID by far. Um, I think the total amount of patients in the trial was, uh, in the program, I should say, 188,000. That's one. Number two. That's giant. Yeah, it's giant. Number two, it was done in a city which has um, a lot of really good infrastructure, like especially health informatics. It's 100% computerized medical records. It's actually, a, a you know, Brazil has a lot of different, um, uh, in, in, you know, influences, European, you know, there's German towns, there's, uh, you know, the French and Spanish and all that. This is actually a, a, a city that has a, a, German, a strong German heritage. 
very well organized, um, very highly technological, great computers. Okay. Mm -hmm. So largest study in the world, really good informatics. And what they did is the city also just, you know, in a crisis, they behaved appropriately. They take a risk benefit. They said they, they, they offered to the uh, city's inhabitants, 220,000 people, a program where you could go to get a visit with a doctor and they would offer you ivermectin. You could take ivermectin twice a month. So two days in a row, tw uh, twice a month. So they were doing every two week protocol and they did it for six months. And out of the 188,000 that showed up for an appointment, about 100 and I think 30 something um, or 100, I can't remember, 122,000 took the, decided to take ivermectin for six months. Okay. And here's the kicker, right? The people who actually signed up in like the intervention group to actually take the medicine were statistically and clearly sicker, older, fatter, meaning they had more disease, you know, uh, cardiovascular disease, whatnot. They were heavier, more diabetes, and they were older. Makes sense, right? The higher risk mm -hmm. you are, the more likely you're going to want to take something to protect yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even without uh, doing the, the really nice statistical comparisons that the study investigators did, you know, where they really closely matched them, even in the unmatched sample, you saw this really terrible imbalance of the groups. Yet the groups on ivermectin, they got the disease 57% less likely to wow. actually get COVID. And to go to the hospital and die was like 67 and 70% less likely to go to the hospital. I mean, that, that right there, just those two gross numbers, th those are performing better than the vaccine right yes. now. I mean, if you just look at the hard data of the vaccine. And, and that was on a, on a regimen of, of every two weeks. You know, yeah. it begs the question, could they have been done? Now, here's the other really important thing about this trial, because I actually helped review and helped uh, the authors write with the trial. They, you know, they asked me to participate as a co-author. And when I started looking at their data and, their, and the methods of the study, I said to them, I said, well, wait a second. If someone got COVID despite taking ivermectin, um, were they treated with ivermectin as, as like a treatment, like as we would do here. Like if there's a breakthrough on ivermectin, we just go to the treatment phase, which is daily dosing. Mm -hmm. What they told me is there was no treatment protocol of anything in mm. that city during that time. It was from June to December of 2020. They just did supportive care only. There was no, they were not using ivermectin treatment. So when you see that the mortality went down by 70%. Even without using it as a without treatment. Without treatment. And yeah. so it's like, it's the minimum of what ivermectin is capable of. So yeah. it, it, was, it was a dramatic, That's very promising. dramatic result. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I mean, I want to talk more about ivermectin, but you're talking about treatment. Like I, like I said, we all have it here. We went to the um, uh, critical care unit to to get diagnosed, to get treatment. I also did telehealth. Nobody's offering any treatment. I, we asked for, we asked for uh, more ivermectin because we're out, I think, which is part of the reason we caught it. We ran out. We could only get it when we were in Panama the last time. So I asked uh, for more. They said, no, you can't, you, we don't, we don't prescribe that. It's too controversial. We asked for monoclonal antibodies. They said, no, you don't fit the demographic. Uh, we asked for uh, ZPAC. I asked for all kinds of things. Basically, the advice I got from my doctor, from the critical care unit, and from telehealth was go home, rest, try not to die. If you get worse, go to the hospital. Like there's no, they're not offering treatments. I don't, I don't get it. Why? So, so you know what? Um, someone I work with, she texted me. She she just had COVID, and I, I treated her. Um, actually, she already had some medicines on hand, 
Uh, but she texted me something and I found it such a compelling text that like I tweeted and it was very popular. People really retweeted. But this is what she texted me. This is after she started getting better. She texted me. She says, I cannot imagine feeling this ill and nobody offering me anything to treat it. And I thought I thought it was a really damning statement because it's true. The doctors, everything's controversial, this, that, the other thing, mm. nothing's proven. And so nobody wants to do anything to try. I mean, we've always tried to help people. You, you do risk benefit analysis, you use rationale. And and, and so it, I find it, in, it's just, as so many things have happened in this pandemic that are just disappointing. I mean, I just think the health system has completely failed against COVID. No I mean, doubt. the response to the health system, people are up, they, they're outraged. They feel cheated. They feel abandoned. And, and I think that's true. I mean, the health system's response has not had the patient as their primary consideration. No, for sure. no, it doesn't seem so. Yeah, my, my doctor, his, his main treatment advice was after you get over this, go get boosted. So I had Johnson and Johnson about six months ago, clearly didn't work. I never, I got sick after the shot. So I'm, I'm done with yeah. all of that. So his advice was, Rest, get well, then go get boosted. Which I mean, I, I I work in healthcare. To me, that just sounds like nonsense. Like I already am sick. I'm gonna build antibodies. What's the booster gonna do? Anyway, let's talk more about ivermectin because that that's why I wanted to have you on. Sure. Um, I know that in September in Japan, the Minister of Health went on TV and told doctors to give out ivermectin to all citizens prophylactically. Um, Japan has since mostly well, wiped out. Go ahead. Let me correct that. Can okay. I correct that a little bit? Please. So what really happened was it was the president of the Tokyo Medical Association, right? Okay. So it's because because if you say the health minister, it makes it sound like a Fauci, the Fauci of Japan said it. Uh, and that is definitely not what happened. Okay. Um, that was a very prompt because it's not officially recommended in Japan. It's not on their guidelines. You won't find it on their websites. It was it was a speech that uh, a very prominent. It was almost like a doctor, like the head of the AMA here, who just came mm-hmm. out and would say, "Hey, docs, you guys should start using um, uh, ivermectin, right?" Okay. So, so it was a prominent doctor who said, again, making a nice risk benefit analysis. Like he was very cautious. You know, he, he, no one wants to be too like me. You know, contrarian. Sure. And, you know, in your face. So he was just like. You know, it seems that the evidence of efficacy is there. It's safe. There's a lot of people getting sick. It's reasonable and probably should be used by the doctors. And the doctors started using it. And yes. we have evidence that they started using it widely. Yes. And and COVID has drastically dropped down there. And instead of the media even mentioning that, I've heard nobody in the mainstream media mention that this happened. Instead, they're attributing it to the uh, diet of the Japanese and their DNA. Like their diet and their DNA didn't seem to help them for the first 20 months. It doesn't really add up. Why will they not even mention it? <laughs> because the diet and DNA changed from from uh, uh, August to September. Is that when the diet right. they started eating what burgers instead of fish? I don't know. <laughs> right, right. Now, I mean, so here's the other thing that that you have to understand about ivermectin is that um, when you hear that it's controversial, it's actually not controversial. What it is is it's surrounded and immersed in corruption. That's all this is. It's not controversial. It's corruption. And, and the corruption is essentially the fact that ivermectin, it's a generic drug. It's a repurposed drug. And there has mm-hmm. been a war 
on generic repurposed drugs for decades. Ivermectin is only the latest. By the way, this war was fought on hydroxychloroquine in 2020, and they won that war. It is not the case that hydroxychloroquine doesn't work. It actually works. But they won the war because they managed to prove to all of academia and the health system that it doesn't work. And now it's right. not on any guidelines. So, but now who, who comes along? The generic repurposed drug ivermectin kicking COVID's butt everywhere. And so you see these forces, right? The pharmaceutical companies, their tentacles, and actually who owns pharmaceutical companies also owns media. And so if they want ivermectin to be made controversial, they, they have really powerful propaganda powers, right? So you'll notice that in this country for the last four months, no one says ivermectin in the media. What do they say? Horse-based. Yeah, horse-based. Yeah. Right? Horse-based. Yep. Horse yep. They're not allowed. It's like somebody you, like- Did, did you see that article in the, the Rolling Stones actually put out an article that people were dying in Oklahoma City from gunshot wounds because they were stuck in line behind people with diarrhea from horse dewormer. I mean- I, and people no, believe can, that. It can I just it's the repeat dumbest thing the headline? I've ever heard. The headline, because the actual headline was gunshot wound victims unable to get care because emergency rooms are overflowing with ivermectin overdoses <sighs> or are filling with ivermectin overdoses. Yes. And I mean, that thing went viral because yeah. it's totally clipping. And by the way, I maintain... That was actually by probably a PR professional. That's clearly high-level expert PR. They know how to make something go viral. If you really know what you're doing, that Mm -hmm. was pure, unadulterated clickbait. Now, we also know that was 100% false. So the reason why I know that was a plant is because it was highly successful. It was the most ludicrous headline. It went around the world. And it was also 100% false. The hospital itself that it purportedly occurred in, they put out a statement like a day later saying, uh, we haven't had one ivermectin overdose and we don't even know who this doctor is. He hasn't worked here in four months. So just to give an example of how powerful the forces are against ivermectin, they don't want ivermectin approved. They can't have it approved. Is it, profits. Is it all because of money. Is that really what the, they don't want? Ivermectin is cheap. Anybody can make it. Nobody owns it. And if there's a treatment for COVID, then we lose this emergency authorization act and then they lose tons of money. Is that, I mean, does it really come down to money? Is it that gross? So the way I answer this question now is I answer by, so, so first of all, the answer is yes. Okay. So because I'm, I'm telling you the behaviors so around Ivermectin is not new. Those behaviors have been exhibited by the pharmaceutical industry for decades. And so like all I answer, so when people say, because is they really doing this for money? So I asked them to revisit the history of the pharmaceutical industry, which is essentially, and can be argued and books have argued, is a criminal enterprise. And the reason why it's a criminal enterprise is because they commit crimes in promoting their drugs and in fighting against other drugs. And mm-hmm. so you know that in the last 20 years, the 20 largest civil sell- settlements against the pharmaceutical companies, and by the way, every company, if you go to Wikipedia and you look up largest civil pharmaceutical settlements, they'll mm-hmm. list 20. Yep. It's 13 billion in civil penalties and 6 billion in criminal penalties. And right. what were their crimes? Their crimes are they bury data of toxicity of their drugs routinely mm-hmm. as a matter of practice. It's standard operating procedure is to bury inconvenient data. And you know what the data is that's most inconvenient to them? 
ivermectin's efficacy. So that's all they're doing is a war of information against ivermectin to suppress it. So when you say, so for instance, this trial from Brazil, you know, I'm, I'm long past the, the belief that anything like would happen, but in normal times, if you didn't have a complete corrupted uh, state, there were, we live in a pharma state. I, I wrote something the other day where I said there's narco states and then there's pharma, pharma states like Mexico is considered a narco state or Colombia. Yeah. Okay. We, we live in a pharma state. Sure. We've which might be have, worse. We, we literally have a country that's been taken over by the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. Might be worse because, I think it, it is because worse. we're led to, to trust them, whereas nobody trusts narcos. Right. Yep. So more, actually more dangerous. You're talking about suppressing info. Um, Uttar Pradesh, they yeah. they wiped it out. From what I understand, they wiped out COVID using a whole host of drugs. Some people believe uh, ivermectin was in that host of drugs. But the information of what they use has been suppressed. It's been kept under wraps like they will not share it. Apparently, after some kind of meeting with Biden. Yeah. Um, so, so why is the administration doing the evil bidding of these pharmaceutical companies? So first off, um, India is also considered a quite corrupt country. Mm -hmm. um, um, and, you know, the pharmaceutical companies operate there. Pharma is actually one of their big industries, right? Actually, generic drugs is one of their big industries. So it's interesting. But the way they su they've suppressed information about ivermectin in India. So when Uttar Pradesh... When they did what I think is one of the greatest public health achievements in, in all of history, right? They literally did a program. And I actually have the documents. I have the documents in Hindi. I have the documents translated in English. We actually know what's in those kits. Okay. Um, it, it was hard to get, but we did we did get them. Um, what they did is they put it was 70,000 plus healthcare workers. It's one of the poorest states in, the, in, in, in India. Dispersed and traveled across 97,000 villages in Uttar Pradesh. They did rapid testing. They did early treatment. So all of the healthcare workers took uh, ivermectin. Every positive case got ivermectin. And every household member got ivermectin if there was a positive case. So they did surveilling, quarantining, early treatment, and prophylaxis. And by doing that, after their spring rush, right around late August, September, the positivity rates of their tests were dropping to near zero. And what happened was at one point in September, in their previous two and a half million tests, they had 200 positives, which is 0.007%, which is near zero. And wow. further, in 67 out of 75 districts, they didn't have one active case. So it would be like having the US have 30 out of 40, uh, you know, 40 out of 50 states without an active case. I mean, it is wow. literally, so you would think in normal times, front page news of every yeah. newspaper around the world that you know COVID has been conquered, the miracle of Uttar Pradesh. Yes. And every country would just simply follow along. Right. They, That's I mean, not what happened. No. So, okay. It was repressed. You, you, you know what was in it. Are you allowed, can, like, can you safely share oh, I've that information? It. That's ivermectin. It. So all the healthcare workers took ivermectin. Um, uh, all the positive cases took ivermectin. There was other things too. There was zinc and whatnot. I could probably call it up on my computer right now, and I can read but it, it. But it was largely ivermectin. Ivermectin, uh, ivermectin was, the, was the when you look at the elements that were in there. There's some vitamins and whatnot. Mm. When you look at it, um, I mean, you, you could tell that. I mean, the active agent was ivermectin. I mean, the only thing that would prevent spread and get rid of cases is that was in that is uh, is ivermectin. So. Here, I'm going to read it to you right now. 
there was, and this is what it says, before and after the rate of uh, 2,000 grams per kilogram body weight to prevent. So they're doing two, uh, uh, 0.2 uh, um, milligrams per kilogram body weight to prevent possible infection for prophylaxis in healthcare workers in the treatment and control of COVID-19. Um, for treatment of positive cases, they did once for three days. So they did daily for three days after two hours of a meal. So they did it on full stomach. And then they added doxycycline. Um, and that was that's page one. And then page two is... Um, that was it. It was a doxycycline and, um, and ivermectin for the positive. So es- essentially the FLCCC protocol. It's not, well, really we don't have doxycycline things. actually, but uh, a lot of people do use it, but, uh, I, it, it was centered on ivermectin for sure. Okay. So it worked. It, it cured. We're talking about a population of 13 million people who are living on top of each other, who are poor, who are unhealthy. They should all be dead from COVID. This is like a population that is at risk and they cured it. And almost nobody I talked to, nobody in my friend's circle, nobody even has heard of this because it's been repressed. I, I mean, I don't know what else to call that, but murder. They're, they're murdering people by repressing this information. There's not even a question. I mean, the, the, the consequences of doing this is people are dying. But again, I have to go back to it. If you look at the behaviors of the pharmaceutical companies, deaths of patients does not factor into their, it does not restrict or limit their behaviors at all. So look at the opioid crisis. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got caught up in that personally. 200,000 deaths, families mm-hmm. destroyed, entire society ripped apart. The mm-hmm. drug Avandia, something like 59,000 people dead from heart attacks. Uh, Vioxx, uh, Bextra. Uh, I mean, there's so many drugs to do. P- thousands of people were dying and they did not care. They su- suppressed information. They hit it. They, they just pay fines. They don't care. It's standard procedure. They don't care. No, no, no. I mean, I, I personally got caught up in the um, opiate thing. I had a surgery. I, I, I broke my neck. Uh, they started huh. giving it to me. They kept giving it to me for three years. And then like on the fourth year, they're like, uh, guess what? This might be addictive. We can't give it to you anymore. I was like, okay, now what? Yeah. They 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 repressed the information. They knew it was addictive from the beginning. Yep. Um, let's, so ivermectin works. Now let's talk about the vaccines a little bit because there is vaccine hesitancy in America. And for me, I, the reason seems to be it's not unrelated to number one, how hard they're pushing this on us. And number two, how many lies the administration has been caught in over and over. So let me ask you, are there legit health concerns for these vaccines? Are there dangers associated with them? So I have to segue from what we were just talking about, because the, the two topics are completely linked. So the suppression of positive information around ivermectin is near total. Yes. As is the suppression of adverse information of the vaccines. So if you'll accept what we just talked about, mm-hmm. and I've given multiple examples of how that's, you know, the true evidence of efficacy is completely ignored. The toxicity of the vaccines is so overwhelming and it's actually now starting to come out. Now you have to give you the example. So let me just say really quickly, I'm uh, the head of a nonprofit organization. We're a medical education organization, and we've been focusing on developing the most effective prevention and treatment protocols for COVID. That mm-hmm. is our mission. We have not uh, uh, given a formal opinion on vaccines. We've just said, talk to your doctor. So we don't have we don't have a, an agenda with the vaccines. But what we do do as an organization, as a physician, is 
we follow the data. So we look at data and we've been alarmed by the vaccine data increasingly since last January. And some of our opinions on interpreted data differ within the FLCC amongst the doctors. But I'm going to tell you what the data that I have now and what I am alarmed by the data. So the data. I'm going to write it down. Okay. And the data really broke this week, which is absolutely alarming. So what happened this week is that there was a newspaper article that was published in Indiana. I think it's called Center Square, Indiana. And it was with, um, they interviewed the head of a life insurance company. And the life insurance company is now reporting that in 2021, they are now measuring an unprecedented 40% increase in mortality among those 18 to 64 years old. And they say there's nothing, they've never seen anything. That but wait, is, is that because of COVID or? Let's get to there. Let's okay. get to there. So that, that would be the first question you'd want yeah. to know, right? So let's remember 18 to 64, a huge population mm-hmm. in their company, $100 million company, 40% increase. They clearly state that the causes of death of COVID do not explain it. And they also say the magnitude of that rise, certainly mortality can have some dips and and increases, Mm -hmm. but they've never seen a a statistical deviation that large and not explained by COVID. So some might posit, oh, it's because everybody's in depressed and killing themselves and overdosing, right? Because those are other things that are happening. Sure. Well, they were they were doing that in 2019. They were also doing that in 2020. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the curves, and so so that, that's that's one thing, and that got a lot of attention. Didn't get attention on big newspapers, but it started getting around on the internet. Yes. And a journalist that that I know followed up immediately with that company and mm-hmm. sent them some qu- follow-up questions as to the story. The company actually replied. And the company supplied the journalist with data from the CDC. And this is actually data from the CDC. You can see the mortality of 18 to 64-year-olds in 2019. It was flat and here. 2020 had a, had a rise in 2020 and then a decrease, but the whole year was above 2019. <clears throat> so it increased in 2019. Then in 2021, it went like this. And right at the beginning of quarter two, it started to rise and rise and rise and rise. And it is still rising today. And wow. that insurance company cannot, they, they, now the, the article was not written saying it's the vaccines, but the, they're basically leaving it for someone to answer. They have not been able to attribute what is driving that increase in death, but it's so well, massive. gee, I wonder what happened around that time. Yeah. In, in 18 to 64 year olds, when, mm-hmm. when did, when did vaccines start really hitting a peak? It was the yeah. beginning of quarter two yep. of 2021. And that's all cause mortality. It's not COVID mortality. So, and, and then, so that's one piece. So you're asking like what, what, so, and again, I'm not an anti-vax. I'm not a pro-vax. I'm a guy who follows data. And, and tries to make conclusions and tries to give recommendations. So now you have a major life insurance company and CDC data with unexplained massive increases in death within the population that cannot be attributed to COVID. That's number one. Secondly, there was a paper, a couple of papers now that have been put up on preprint servers by epidemiologists 
who are looking at major databases, not only in the US, but in Europe. And they have been now showing that all cause mortality of the vaccinated is higher than the unvaccinated. All cause mortality. So what, what the, the media meaning, and the government COVID keeps doing is everything. Yeah. get your vaccine so you won't die from COVID. They just want you to focus on COVID. They want to terrify, you know, the, the propaganda yeah. is to terrify you for COVID and therefore you'll submit to the vaccine. But the mm-hmm. wider data showing is if you take the vaccine, you're more likely you're to die. More likely to die. So yeah, the, I mean, they used to say that the vaccine would prevent you from getting it. Then they said it prevented you from spreading it. Now their their only claim is it will prevent you from dying. But what you're saying is, even if it gives you a slightly better chance of surviving COVID, overall more people with the vaccine are dying than unvaccinated people. It's it's, it's that's, not what I'm that's saying. what the numbers it's, say. It's the data that I'm the seeing. Data. Yes. And the other thing is, and, and I have to put that into context, right? Because so if someone hears this, right, and listens, this is, you know, who is this guy saying this? Why is he saying it and nobody else is? It's because of the context that we're in. Inconvenient data to the pharmaceutical industry is being suppressed. Right, mm-hmm. whether it's positive for a cheap drug or it's negative against their mainstay of, of yeah. fighting this pandemic. And again, that's not new. It, We've always dealt with exactly. that. Exactly. It's it's not getting out, but we can see the data. I'm, I'm I have a huge uh, network of colleagues now that we're all fighting. We're all fighting for. We're trying to get truth and good information now because we're seeing this is actually a war of information. Yeah. And those who are controlling the information, unfortunately, are are suppressing what people need to stay healthy and to survive. Uh, and it's in the service of, of these interventions. And so, you know, it's very hard to see a negative vaccine piece. You don't see them. They're all, and it's propaganda. It's safe and effective. If you safe see them, I mean, effective. if you see them, they get taken down. We have a, a Facebook page with 70,000 followers. And I posted a screenshot of CDC data to talk about how it's not harming children. And they banned us for a week. So it, you, you can't even use their own data against them. And, and what's, what's, and so the other thing that I didn't like, so I, because I, 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 I wanted to like, I'm so careful. I don't want to sound like an anti-vaxxer. This is what I am. What I really am though, is I'm anti-lying. Yeah. And what I've seen around the vaccines is I've seen non-scientific policies and I've seen lies. And so the first lies started, you know, the first time, like we kind of scratched our head as like physicians as we were like, wow, the FDA and CDC is telling you not to check antibodies before vaccinating. And so all of us were like, wait, they want to vaccinate the naturally immune? Why would you vaccinate someone who already had the disease and has more robust immunity? And we have 140 papers showing durable and near total complete protection against reinfection prior to Omicron. Omicron is so different. It might break through a little bit more, but prior to Omicron, it was perfect, but they would not stop. They were vaccinating everyone. And if you said I had COVID or I just had COVID last week, they would tell you you need to get a vaccine. There's no science uh, uh, supporting that. There's no credible immunologist. There's no, like, what are we going to do? Vaccinate those who've had chicken pox now? Yeah. Right. I, I mean, right. so, so that was one thing that I didn't like is I was like, that's funny. And then they started doing other funny stuff. Like they were like stopped doing tests on vaccinated people. And I was like, wait, so they're getting sick, but they're not doing tests. Is that to make the numbers look really good? And, and by the way, this is all documented. Like the mm-hmm. CDC actually w- would come up with a policy. No. And they would say, we're not testing vaccinated anymore. And so, yeah. so when you see all of these behaviors, 
I, I want to posit this for you, is that anytime you see a policy or an action taken by the agencies, this is my one truth that I've discovered in, in the pandemic, is that the agencies are completely captured by the pharmaceutical industry. And if you don't believe me, anytime they make a, a decision or come up with a new policy or a new announcement, ask yourself, is that a behavior that's consistent with the interests of a pharmaceutical company? Like, what would a pharmaceutical company do? And if you ask yourself that and then see what they're doing, the answer is always, that's exactly what a pharmaceutical company would do. So, for instance, let me give you an example. Again, this is where the absurdities and the lies are continuing. They are putting out massive avalanche of media articles telling people that the good outcomes with Omicron is due to the vaccines. I know it's silly. Right. And they're trying to tell you, you better get vaccinated. Now let's be honest, the data, we know the data on Omicron. We have papers from Denmark. We have from South Africa. Omicron is not a deadly disease. It generally doesn't put people in the hospital. If you're mm -hmm. in the hospital with Omicron, it's just because you're testing positive. You didn't go there because you got sick from it. And yet they're telling people that's the new propaganda message is that you must get uh, uh, the reason why people are doing so well with Omicron is because they're vaccinated. Well, not only is that not true, but the data suggests that the more vaccinated you are, the more times you've been boosted, the more likely it is you catch Omicron. There is data showing negative, what's negative called efficacy. negative efficacy, right? Which is that vaccinated are more likely to get it than not, but they will still market it as yes, but you're guaranteed a milder course. And I see people believing it. I see doctors tweeting it, you know, just had Omicron, but because of my double jab and booster, it was yeah. easy. You know, I'm like, you know, me, uh, unvaccinated that I'm getting through this just as well. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's lies. I'm seeing unmitigated lying and it's so loud and it's so pervasive. The, li the lies. And, yeah. The lies and the hypocrisy are disgusting and, and, and terrifying. I want to hit on a few things you said. Um, number one, you're, you're talking about the, the messaging with the data. Uh, the schools here now, if you're exposed, but you're vaccinated, they don't make you go home. But if you're not vaccinated, you have to go home. So this, these are a few ways they're, they're, they're messing no with science. the data. No, no science. science. Yes. Uh, when I was diagnosed earlier on Monday, they did not mark me as a breakthrough case because I was not boosted and I had my shot five months ago. So they didn't count me as a breakthrough. Uh, my wife is moving the, the goalposts. They're yes. moving the goalposts. And each goalpost move is to do what? It's more to make vaccine. Yes. Yeah. My wife works in a hospital. She says anybody they test everybody. And if they uh, test positive for COVID, regardless of the reason that they are in the hospital, they mark them as being in the hospital for COVID because of financial reasons. Okay. But getting getting away from that, back to uh, mortality and whatnot of these 18 to 64 year olds, you're talking about how they're dying. When we get the vaccine, myself, everybody else, you have to sign away liability. You can't sue them. That makes it kind of trustworthy, untrustworthy that, okay, if something bad happens to me, there's no liability on the pharmaceutical company. Um, soccer players are dropping dead left and right like never before. Oh, One over, 300, over 300. Over oh, 300. Jeez. Okay, my and, friend. And these, okay. these are filmed, right? So these are on the field. Yes. On television. Yes. They are collapsing and or dying at home at rates far, far exceeding any background rate of young athletes. It's happening all over the world. Suppress, suppress, suppress. It's unprecedented. Unprecedented. My per, my A personal childhood friend of mine two days ago died on her 48th birthday. She was healthy after her second shot. 
Uh, the doctor reported it to VARES. So I have two questions. The doctor reported it to VARES as a, a COVID death or a vaccine death. So I have two questions. Number one, the, the vaccine won't prevent my children from catching or spreading the disease. The vaccine, um, the, the, the disease in the first place is not a threat to my children. The vaccine won't protect them from the disease. The vaccine could harm them. Is there any good reason to give this vaccine to children? Based on those three true statements, right? So you're making statements uh, based on data. Those are all data-driven statements that you made. And so when you analyze them, the conclusion is, because everything that we do in, in medicine is about risk benefits, right? So it's about any intervention I do, I have to be sure that it's going to bring more benefit than risk. The vaccines are failing on the risk benefit. They are not bringing about the benefits that they're purportedly supposed to achieve, which is protection from illness. Then they change it saying, oh, but it's protecting from severe outcomes. No, I'm telling you, based on the data, and we have data showing that vaccinated kids are more likely to be hospitalized from a vaccine side effect than from COVID. Healthy kids are going to the hospital more commonly from vaccines. So Mm. they're actually bad for your health. The data is showing their bad feel. So, and 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 that's why we're getting to be so. I mean, this pharma state is actually failing because you're now mandating around the country ever younger people. So I woke up yesterday. You know what the headline was on my little news app, and I can't even read the news anymore because the propaganda and and the manipulation and the non scientific policies is so bad. I just look to see what they're up to. That's all I do. And what did I see on my little thumbnail app yesterday? X and I don't know, FDA just approved boosters for 12 and 70 year olds. There's nothing stopping them. Mm-hmm. They want a needle in every arm. What is the old thing? A chicken in every pot? They want a needle in every arm. They right? want three and, or four needles in every and arm. And they want to go lower and, and they don't stop at 12. Like when they went from 17 now to 12, and now they want to go down to five. I think I think California is, is going to start mandating five-year-olds getting this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That's where we are. Yep. Um, so what about VARES? Because okay, so I mentioned my friend just literally just died. That just happened two days ago. The doctor reported it as a vaccine death. Okay. That goes to VARES. VARES is showing 20,000 plus vaccine deaths. How is that? Is that information on VARES reliable? How is it validated? Like, what can we make of the the numbers we see on VARES? So, so people have been analyzing VARES, and there's lots of different statistical ways you can look at VARES. So, the one the one limitation of VARES is the only thing that you need to understand about VARES is that it's underreported, and there's something called an under underreported uh, uh, factor, underreporting factor URF. So. For every time you get, let's say, uh, a nosebleed from a medicine or a vaccine, right, um, it'll get reported one out of 20 times, right? Many, you know, 20 people aren't going to report a, a nosebleed every year, you know? So that, that's an underreporting factor of 20. There are uh, ways to look at the- Wait a data. minute, wait a minute. I, I can already jump ahead there. So if you're saying it's one to 20 and there's 20,000 deaths, are you actually suggesting there might be 400,000 vaccine deaths? So I'll get there. It's not 400. We, we actually have a way to, I, I just gave that as an example, like okay. for an underreporting factor of 20. Okay. There are ways of estimating the underreporting factor. So there are older studies around vaccines, which show that vaccine side effects- 
um, have a 1% reporting rate. So it's actually 100 to 1. So for all vaccine okay. side effects in general, it's under it's got a URF of 100. Okay. So there are some folks, some data people, statisticians, uh, uh, led by a guy named Steve Kirsch, double vaccinated, um, who got really concerned because he, in his circle, everybody seemed to be getting injured. And he's, he's an engineer from MIT. He's started and owned like six companies, huge entrepreneur, like a tech entrepreneur. But he got very, and he's been very involved in COVID and, and funding different research studies. And he's just been, he's a great guy. And he started to get really concerned about what he was seeing. And he got people to start analyzing this data. And so I, I, I don't want to speak for all of his work, but they have done about six different, actually eight different ways of estimating the underreporting factor. And they estimate somewhere between 150 and 200,000 deaths from vaccines. That's wow. their estimate. Now, remember, we already presented. Is that just, is that worldwide or in America? No, US, US. That's just US. Oh my US. God. Because VARS is really just US. Now, okay. so that's his estimates. And they have ways of doing that. Um, Another paper just got up on a preprint the other day, and that was the one about all-cause mortality. Um, and th- based on their all-cause mortality increases, in that paper done by, I think one guy's from Harvard, another guy's from two very prominent universities, their analyses from Europe and the US, they actually estimated 184,000 deaths due to the vaccines. The other thing, and this is where I've been really troubled, is if you actually go into VARs, there's what I call a clinical vignette. There's a box which allows someone to write maybe two, three, or four lines of what happened. And so you actually get a clinical synopsis of what happened. And when I started to look at VARS and I started to, you know, you can filter it out, deaths, COVID-19 vaccine, and then you can read the clinical vignettes and they are absolutely horrifying. There are literally so many reports of death on the same day of the vaccine. And literally, they uh, resident gets, uh, you know, a lot of these for, from nursing homes. Resident gets uh, vaccinated at noon, you know, one o'clock, said they weren't feeling well, went to go lay down, uh, found, uh, you know, pulseless, you know, two in the morning. And this is like over and over and over again. And, and I mean, we've been seeing this. And by the way, in older vaccines, when they were rolled out, there was like the swine flu vaccine back in, uh, in that, so was, there was a stopping rule. Like if, if you have 50 deaths that are supposedly be associated with a vaccine, they, they stop the program. Like, I mean, you don't just yeah. keep jabbing and you can see that the shackles are off here. It is absolutely, a, it's, it's a train rolling down the track. There's nothing to stop it. No matter how much the VARS database is screaming, nothing's stopping. And so, Again, I'm just talking about data and how data is being suppressed. It's being suppressed on ivermectin. It got suppressed on hydroxychloroquine. It's now being suppressed on a drug called fluvoxamine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, data which which gives pause to vaccines is being suppressed. The deaths are being suppressed. No one's covering the deaths in those uh, soccer players, which are happening all, all, all over the world. I mean, it's it's you know, the only question that I have, and I think this is a fair question, none of us have been able to answer it, is why those deaths aren't occurring in our basketball and football players. Right, right, yeah. And it's it's so concentrated in soccer players. Yeah. It, it's, it's well, very soccer straight. is, a, so, I mean, I played all three of those sports. Soccer is, yep. is a much more in, of an endurance sport where you're moving a lot more. Running, so running. It's happening running. because of like blood clots. That would make sense to me. Yeah, it's it's hard. It, it's it, it seems to be all hard. I mean, it's sudden cardiac arrest, which is is generally uh, an arrhythmia mm-hmm. or or an obstruction. 
Yeah. So I think they're having fatal arrhythmias um, and it's probably okay. from inflammation in the heart. They're all complaining of chest pain, which is a side of myocarditis or pericarditis, which is the mm-hmm. sac. And, I, I've, and I've had chest pain body. since it. I've not, I've not bothered telling people because you don't want to sound like an alarmist, but I've had chest pain since I got that shot. It's, it's not gone away. Um, okay. So let's talk a, a question about Pfizer. So Pfizer, they paid the biggest fine in world history for doing criminal shit. What they did has been kept under wraps. Like part of it was that they didn't have to say what they did. That was the agreement. Um, they were willing to pay that much for silence. The, their, their testing and development of these vaccines is not going to be released to the public for like 50 years, which seems super bizarre. Now Can they I ask have you a question. If you yeah. were to, if you were to make a rule, if you were a regulatory agency and you wanted to make a rule where a pharmaceutical company, um, you know, the data around vaccines, would you want to make it available immediately for public consumption or would you want to bury it for 75 years? Well, it depends if my information showed that I had a good product or not. If there I had a good go. product, yeah. Oh, oh. Available. So I see what you're saying. So if it was supportive of the safety and efficacy of the vaccines, certainly yeah, you'd want to share that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But if it wasn't, you'd want to bury it. And if you were an impartial regulatory agency, I demand, or it. if you were a captured agency, how would you behave? And that's again what I'm saying. Only a captured agency would allow a rule to be made that allows them to suppress the information for was it 55 years or 75? Something years? crazy, something asinine. And we know they're a captured agency because there's a revolving door between the FDA yes. and these companies. Like I, I saw a list of like 15 people who went from the FDA and as soon as they were done there, went to Pfizer. But but whatever, it's corrupt. Our whole government's corrupt. This Pharma new- state. Yes. I, I know you got to get out. You got a TV spot. So let me just ask real quick, this new Pfizer drug, is it ivermectin, number one? And number two, are we going to be able to trust this drug? So no and no. Um, number one, it, its no main one. mechanism of action is it interrupts an important enzyme that the virus uses to replicate. Um Ivermectin actually interferes with the same enzyme. So they basically have the same mechanism of action. The difference is Ivermectin has about six or seven other mechanisms of action. So you're taking like, you know, what is like a a nuclear bomb against COVID and you're using like, you know, a bullet. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's a bullet, number one. And number two, the other unfortunate thing. So I've already given examples of the rapaciousness and the criminality of pharmaceutical companies. Um, that's, that's the TV folks on Skype. Let me just say hello. It's like using a bullet instead of a bomb, right? The other thing is that pharmaceutical companies, and this has been described in analyses over years, when a pharmaceutical company conducts a trial on their drug, it is consistently much more positive than when independent, like academic centers do the research uh, but with, with, you know, like a governmental funding. So Obviously. there's like what I call an inflation factor of the effect. And it's, it's been described for decades. Um, so anytime a drug company comes out and says, our drug is 88% reduction in hospitalizations, it's definitely not that. All right, doctor. I know you, I know you got to go. You got other things to do. Uh, um, we could do another hour with you. I just want to thank Reach you. out to Steve. Yeah, reach I out to Steve. I want to, I want to thank you for your time. Thank you for the work you're doing. Uh, we need more people out there like you. You're 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 heroic. So thank you very much. Thanks, where can, man. Where can people get more information about your stuff? 
FLCCC.net. We have our protocols Dr. there. Corey, good afternoon. This is Newsmax Sorry. New York for Eric Bowling. All right. All right, doctor. Take care. Yeah. See you guys.